Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Chuck and Winkler. I'm Bart. That's Chuck. Ben Golliver joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. You can catch his work at the Washington Post, also host of the Open Floor Podcast. Ben, how are you? Thanks for a couple minutes. Hey, Ben. I'm I'm good, guys. How are you? Oh, we're doing good. Good old Americans here that we are. Uh, <laughs> be proud of it, Barton. I, I know am. it's tough, but be proud. Uh, 108-100, the Bucks win against uh, the, Raptors, uh, the Raptors last night. Would you take Ben out of that game last night with the Bucks, uh shot poorly most of the night, still got the job done on the scoreboard? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a crushing loss for Toronto, to be honest. You know, coming out of that last series, to me, the biggest X factor coming into these conference finals was just the offensive balance from Toronto. Uh, their game seven, Kawhi Leonard was incredible, but he took 39 shots and a bunch of his sidekicks uh, were just kind of slinking into the background, not really wanting to step forward and be assertive shooters. I thought to start game one, Toronto got exactly what it wanted from Kyle Lowry, Marcus Gasol, a couple of the bench guys, Pascal Siakam, and they were coming out shooting uh, assertively, taking the three-pointers at the top of the key that the Bucks are usually willing to concede, and they were red hot. And I think for Milwaukee to withstand that, to sort of learn on the fly from what it's like getting punched in the mouth by Boston last series, and then just basically to gut it out down the stretch with great defense and some three-pointers from Brooke Lopez, uh, it was really impressive. I mean, if I'm Toronto, especially looking at how many minutes they played their main guys in Game 1, uh, that's not only kind of a demoralizing loss because you actually played pretty well early and gave it away, but I think it's also an exhausting loss, too. And, and one thing to look at going forward in this series, I mean, you know, Giannis is just, uh, you know, at his physical peak. And some of these guys that he's going against, whether it's Lowry, uh, Mark Gasol, you know, some of these guys who are going to be playing help defense and trying to slow him down are just older. They're more liable to wear down. They're coming off a seven-game series against Philadelphia. And I think that's a huge matchup advantage for Milwaukee. You know, when we were predicting the series, we were th- – you know, we're feeling confident with how the Bucks have been playing now nine and one in the postseason. So whether it was Bucks and four, or Bucks and five, or Bucks and six, the consensus around here was they're just they're not gonna lose this series. You don't you don't lose four times to the Raptors the way the Bucks are playing. Uh that was a game that the Raptors could have and probably should have got. So if you are Toronto, how do you come back in game two? How do you beat the Bucks four times out of the next six games, especially after what happened last night? Yeah, well, I think for sure we know they've got to you know, either be close or win game two because otherwise the confidence stuff is going to start to set in. You know, That's one thing about this Raptors organization over the last years. They're always flirting with mental fragility, right? They're always on the brink of a collapse or somebody checking out or, or not you know, being uh, you know, completely ready for the moment or, or, or crumbling under the pressure. I mean, these are things that have dogged this franchise for a long time. So again, that's why it was so promising for Kyle Lowry to come out and hit seven three-pointers. I mean, this is a guy who's really no-showed in multiple series, and, and he steps up and does it. Uh, you know, if you're looking at X-Factors for Toronto, I think it's Pascal Siakam. I mean, he played very well early in that game. Uh, he obviously had the really big, you know, poster dunk everybody saw, but he was also just shooting the ball confidently, moving well. Uh, he disappeared a little bit down the stretch. That's been an issue for him, too, in these playoffs. You know, when the, when the moment gets tight, he's still a pretty young, unfinished player, 
Uh, he, he is obviously a most improved player candidate this season, but he's still kind of getting himself comfortable in the NBA game. I think some of that lack of comfort is showing uh, in, in some of these late-game moments. They're going to need more from him. The other thing, too, is you know Kawhi Leonard barely shot the ball in the fourth quarter. I think he had two points. I think they were free throws uh, in the entire fourth quarter. Um, I understand Milwaukee is you know, trying to do everything they possibly can to make his life miserable, and I thought Chris Middleton did a great job defensively, uh, but Kawhi Leonard's got to be better than that. And we saw against Philadelphia, look, if he's going to go down, he's going to go down shooting. He took 39 shots in that Game 7 win uh, over the Sixers, and I think if they get into another rut like they got into during that fourth quarter in Game 1, you're going to see Kawhi Leonard try to go into takeover mode. Well, with Kawhi, uh, Middleton and Ed Brock did a nice job on him. What they do is they, they overplay him, so they force him to go left. I mean, he went left a lot of times last night. And, uh, I mean, he's still a great player, but I think the Bucks' M.O. against him is just overplay him, so he's got to go to his left-hand side. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I think, you know, Ka- Kawhi Leonard's a phenomenal player, but he's not a perfect player. I don't think he's the world's best distributor. As you mentioned, he much prefers going right than left. I mean, look no further than his game winner, right? Didn't he take a really roundabout route to get to his right? Going sure did. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid yep. to kind of get to that dominant side. It's funny how those things kind of play out. It's almost like, you know, playground-style basketball, right? But Milwaukee's very disciplined, very smart, and they just do a great job with their defensive game plans trying to take away the easy stuff around the basket. You know, Kawhi did not shoot the ball very well from outside last night. Uh, he got some stuff going in the mid-range, but I think if you're Toronto, you're going to live with that. Uh, you know, all in all for Milwaukee, I think it was, you know, an A effort defensively. And, you know, people might circle Middleton's, uh, you know, offensive output and say, okay, well, he really struggled. He didn't have such a great game. But look, if you can limit Kawhi Leonard to a B or a B plus, throughout this series, it's going to be done quick. You know, they, Toronto, if they're going to win this series and actually kind of come back out of this uh, 1-0 uh, hole, this deficit, and do this thing, it's going to be because Quad Leonard drags them there with, you know, A, A-plus type play. And I think, uh, you know, give Milwaukee's on-ball defenders credit for preventing that in Game 1. Talking with Ben Golliver, Washington Post Open Floor Podcast. All right, this tweet came in as we were talking. If you could help how I'll respond to this one. This is from Casey. He says, Middleton was a liability on the court in the fourth quarter. Couldn't handle the ball, couldn't take care of the ball. Not great attributes of a so-called number two. Dude is frustrating. Max player, I'm literally not buying. How can I respond to that? Well, I mean, the, the, the max player thing is a separate question, right? But if you're saying Middleton, okay, what, what did he give you? Yes, there was an ugly turnover. I think he got stripped maybe by Lowry, who went back for a layup the other direction. But oh, yeah, the brutal. bottom line is, look, they won the fourth quarter, thirty-two seventeen. So he couldn't have been that big of a liability if he's on the quarter uh, on the court during crunch time. And I just go back to that Kawhi Leonard number. Holding him to two points in the fourth quarter is crazy. This guy is one of the leading scorers of the entire postseason. He's gone into takeover mode time and time again down the uh, the stretch of games. Uh, we've seen you know game winners during the regular season and during the playoffs. He always wants to have the ball in that situation. Uh, and Milwaukee's defense held up brilliantly. So let's let's not uh, throw Middleton under the bus. Now, in terms of the contract decision, I mean, that's a really big one, uh, and I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on the Bucks front office and Bucks ownership if they do make the finals here to keep the band together, right? Because we've seen it go wrong in other situations. Remember when Dallas, uh, you know, won their title? They don't bring back Tyson Chandler because they, they start to think, oh, he's just a role player. Maybe he's a little bit too rich for our blood. We could try to, you know, find a different solution there. 
Well, now you go, you know, five, six years with, you know, Dirk not really having a lot of playoff success after that title, and everybody looks back at that Tyson Chandler decision and says, hey, they really should have kept the band together. Uh, to me, if I was Milwaukee, you know, Chris is still worth his weight in gold. I, I was very glad to see him make his first all-star team this year. I thought that was deserved. I understand why when guys don't get their scoring numbers, uh, it frustrates people. But Milwaukee's offense just isn't built off that. You know, it's not a one-man offense. As incredible as Giannis is, they keep five scoring threats on the court at any time, and they're so difficult to beat, and they've been so dominant and just running teams off the court this postseason because anybody can go off. If it's Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Eric Bledsoe some nights, I mean, it really doesn't matter. Uh, so just don't get hung up on that uh, the points column of that box score. Do you feel, obviously, with Golden State, you know, you sense them and you, you, you take their temperature, and they're a championship flavor team. I don't think Toronto's there. Do you think Milwaukee is championship flavor? They're the they're the biggest threat left to Golden State. There's no question about it. I, you know, I picked the Warriors to win the the finals before uh, the playoffs started. Nothing has really happened to shake me from that. Obviously, Durant's health is going to be the big question mark. If you're telling me Milwaukee gets to play Golden State without Durant, that series gets really, really, really interesting. But the finals is a different beast, you know. And uh, in terms of just the the attention, the amount of media, the pressure. Uh, the over-analysis that goes into every single game. Uh, this was kind of a routine game one win, frankly. Like, everybody was just kind of like calm afterwards, not a big deal. Uh, you know, last night uh, at the building, there's no such thing as a routine finals win, right? I mean, you've got LeBron James going out there with cast after certain games, you know, throwing chairs when J.R. Smith makes a silly uh, you know, decision late in the game. I mean, everything is just ramped up in that situation. And Golden State is by far the most experienced team in the league uh, at coping with those kinds of distractions, those kinds of headaches. So uh, it would be a monumental task for Milwaukee to get past them, especially if Durant's back. But to me, uh, they're the only team left that has a chance. I don't think Portland has a chance. And as you mentioned, I don't think Toronto has a chance either. We've obviously been wrapped up in the Bucks. I mean, this is an exciting time for us. We're talking Bucks in mid-May. That is different around here. One thing we haven't gotten to a lot because of our attention to the Bucks is that draft lottery the other night with the Pelicans getting one, and then now maybe maybe teams are going to be less inclined to tank. Maybe Zion ends up somewhere else. What do you, what was your biggest takeaway from how the draft lottery shook out in terms of the impact that that will have on the league? Uh, well, a, a few takeaways. First of all, I was down there in that sequestered room where they actually do the drawing, and just the raw emotion of Alvin Gentry like winning, and he just started screaming profanities as soon as he won. He couldn't believe it. He was sitting there <laughs> holding his head in shock kind of like, you know, with a, a dazed look, like he had won a real lottery, like all of a sudden he just had another $10 million to spend. Uh, that was the kind of feeling there. So it was just cool to see that up close and personal. Uh, you know, just these ping pong balls really can change people's entire lives, their franchises, fates, and everything else. Now your point about, uh, you know, the changing lottery odds and, uh, you know, does that discourage tanking? I think the NBA still got this problem where there's not enough talent to go around, right? I mean, and, and the Bucks have suffered through that for a few years where they just didn't have the right pieces. Uh, you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers that are going through that right now, uh, you know, without LeBron James. And for those kinds of teams, it's a very frustrating night to watch teams who won more games than you uh, get a higher pick than you did because you changed the lottery odds. But I do think it, it uh, created a more respectable end game of the regular season. Like, if you're looking at the March and April games this year, I thought there were more, you know, truly, like, you know, disgusting uh, examples of tanking this year than in past years. So I think that's a good thing. But I also think the big takeaway for Adam Silver is 
uh, he dodged a bullet because if it had been the Knicks and Lakers at one and two instead of three and four, he would be going to that NBA Board of Governors meeting, hearing from all the small market owners saying what a horrible thing it was, how you know all these big market teams get to have all the talent, how it's not a fair and, and competitive playing field and all of that. By having two of the smallest market teams in the league get the top two picks in New Orleans and Memphis, I think he's got two really nice stars, you know, potentially in Zion Williamson and John Morant to go anchor those franchises, help them build their fan bases up a little bit. And he also dodges that bullet of all the, uh, the small market angst saying, come on, why do all the best players you know, tend to wind up in the same big market teams? Ben, appreciate it. Love chatting with you. Ben Golliver on Twitter. We will talk down the road. Thanks, Ben. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Ben Golliver. You can find him again on Twitter at Ben Golliver uh, with the Washington Post and the Open Floor podcast joins us on the great midwest bank hotline looking to buy build renovate or refinance in the year 2019 look no further call great midwest bank today great midwest bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935 do you think maybe that the draft was actually rigged rigged to make it not look rigged huh i see everybody say oh see how how can you think it's rigged new york and la didn't win Mm -hmm. but maybe they rigged it to make it not look rigged. Oh, uh, I you don't ever know. Think of that. I think, I, I think, man, though, though, the, but but where does that benefit them, though? Um, because if the if the Knicks if it's rigged for the Knicks to get the first pick or rigged for the Lakers to get the first pick, you know, the, the of course the NBA is going to take a couple of hits on it, but they're going to get what they want. They're going to have their star player, this guy coming out of Duke, uh, Zion Williamson, playing for one of their major markets. So. I think that uh, you know. I mean, they would have probably been. It would have behooved them to probably rig the the whole thing so they could have one of those markets have their star player. They want the Lakers and the Knicks to be good. They they've wanted the Knicks to be good forever, and they just can't get it done. No matter what they do there. A couple of tweets uh, to read here. Grant, my boy Grant out in lacrosse says, "Hey Bart, the amount of Bucks jerseys out in lacrosse last night would have put a tear in your eye. So it's good to see." It's good to see Bucks fever spread all over the state and not just centered here in Milwaukee. Spark guy says, hey, Bart, your boy Chuck Freeman, gracious enough to take a photo with my young son last night, despite him being in a private setting with the first lady of sports talk, his girlfriend Shannon. My son may not make the NBA as he dreams, but hopefully he's a player like Chuck one day. Oh, yeah, not that type of player. No, he, I he think wanna, that's what he means. He doesn't want to be capital P player. I no. think that's what he's saying. No, no, I wouldn't just try for that. But you know what? I love the fact that I love I love when dads take their kids to games, sons and daughters. I I, I love it. And you know, it, you know, hey, it doesn't cost uh, it costs a lot of money to take your kid to a playoff game. The guy took his kid to a playoff game. I thought that was really cool last night. And for dads to do that, uh really, really awesome. Steven says, guys, can we tone down the anti Canada rhetoric? Geez, guys, I'm just as American as you boys, but Toronto and Vancouver are great cities. Don't need to be like what New York and L.A. media does to us, discredit and ignore us. Oh, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't worry too much. People in Canada are always friendly. I mean, I've known a few people up there in uh, in Toronto. So why so harsh, player? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I'm just not a big fan of Canada. You're like the Captain America of the fans. I am Captain America. And uh, my dad fought for this country in World War II. Yep, was injured. I don't take that lightly at all. And uh, you know the veterans out there. Uh, I'm proud of the veterans for what we stand for in this country. And yes, 
We got a great country. Freeman 2020. We do. We got a great country. And we're, yeah, uh, there's no place I'd rather live. I don't want to live in Canada. Wouldn't want to work in Canada. You're basically giving a stump speech. Why don't you run for office? I probably could. Well, Lamira, I don't know. No, like president. President? President Lamira? President of Village Board Lamira? I could do that. I probably could get that done. I'd change a few things around there. I'd get, uh, I'd change quite a few things in Lamira. Yeah. You'd have two Taco Bells, one on each side of the highway. Two Taco Bells, maybe on a quick trip there. I'd have uh, Robert Specialty Meats. Uh, they'd have a, a location in oh, Lamira. Oh, Lamira Post. Oh, of course. They sure. need one. That would be much needed up there, of course, yeah. Chuck and Winkler, a name we haven't said all day, uh, the Brewers. We'll touch on them next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.